2: No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio.
1: You are listening to
0: LA Kings Road Talk Radio.
1: Kings Road Talk Radio. I'm your host, Scott Cahill, a.k.a. The Hip Jack, and we're going to be spending the next uh, hour or so talking all things L.A. Kings hockey as if anything else really matters, and uh, normally we do our little show here after each and every road game of the season, but because our L.A. Kings are on a bye week and because... They've got a pretty long homestand. We thought we would reward our loyal listeners uh, by doing a midweek show. So I wanted to get in touch and say, why not reward all those L.A. King Road Talk radio fans with an impromptu show. So beautiful thing it is indeed. And helping me to break down the L.A. King season thus far, Uh, Starting off, we have uh, L.A. King superfan, Mr. Augie Loya. Hey, Augie, how are you, buddy? I'm doing well,
0: sir. Just uh, kind of twiddling my thumbs, waiting for the week to go by. And for the big day on Saturday, because not only are the L.A. Kings taking on the hated, guys, from your end of the world, the Burbs, the Anaheim Ducks, they are also doing Bob Miller Appreciation Night, which will include the statue, the banner, and, of course, bobbleheads for everybody in attendance.
1: Yes, monumentals. There's the, uh, the Gretzky scoring of the uh, 902 goal of all time, and then there's the Bob Miller bobblehead, both uh, ranking there in the number one and two of all-time NHL greatest moments,
0: Correct. Yeah, absolutely. Yep, no doubt about that, my friend.
1: <laughs> Perfect. Also joining us right now here is uh, Mr. Jeff Duarte, Cali Sports NHL News Editor, in the heart of uh, the Toronto Mecca, but he's an LA Kings fan and has the lumps to prove it. Hey, Jeff, how are you, buddy? I'm good, Hip Jack. I'm pretty excited
2: and happy that uh, you decided to uh, to do actual special episode of LA Kings Road Talk Radio right in the middle of the Los Angeles Kings bye week because I know I've been starving to talk some King talking, uh, but I'm just bummed out that the show is following yet another LA Kings loss. And what I mean by LA Kings loss is that over the holiday break, over Christmas and New Year's, I decided to rewatch complete and uncut uh, the Kings 2012 Stanley Cup final uh, game winning the first down, uh, series winning the Stanley cup against the New Jersey Devils, commercials, pregame, post games, everything. And right now I'm in the twenty fourteen season and i just finished watching game four where the New York Rangers by their amazing goaltender, the ice shavings that were hiding behind Henrik Lundqvist, saving the game against the Kings. The Kings losing two to one, but that's okay. I won't let it bring me down because I know how this I know how the season finale ends and it, hands on a great note
1: absolutely hey there's watch no, the no spoiler, spoiler alert, alert. exactly <laughs> okay. yeah you know what
2: it's it's been a few years and if there's listeners here who have not watched those two series then uh go and
1: watch it because trust me it's worth it indeed indeed and we will talk a little bit about that and uh I think we could all agree that uh, the thing about those two Stanley Cups was, A, in 2012, we were stunned that our LA Kings, our sad sack LA Kings, were able to put together such an amazing run that we were literally shocked entering as the eighth seed, going against the number one seed, and for them to just steamroll through the NHL and made it look easy uh we were in shock and then by 2014 it was the, the the complete opposite where every series was a battle royale and the kings literally were clearly uh not you know one of the better teams in the NHL but they every team they played were also the elite they i mean they really literally had probably the hardest road uh, to a Stanley Cup championship than any team had, had to ta- uh, had to face And uh, once again, uh, going uh, into Game 7, the first three rounds of the series, it was definitely monumental. But, uh, hey, we got a lot to talk about. And uh, first and foremost, uh, we're going to talk about our L.A. Kings, how they are in the regular season here as we stand. Game 42 under the belt. Kings certainly uh, in a a solid second place. Uh, Nice to know that uh, even if San Jose – who has two games at hand, wins both games. Kings are still going to be ahead of them uh, probably by the time they start resuming play. Uh, But uh, you know what? There's been highs. There's been lows. Certainly uh, we're disappointed the last two games, uh, arguably the worst period the Kings have played in the season, that second period against Calgary. And then once again, without Jake Muzzin, uh, the loss against Nashville, a game – I mean, really, two games the Kings probably could have won had they uh, just not had breakdown after breakdown. But, alas, it was not to be. And let me run this by you, Augie. I mean, uh, I think if at the beginning of the season, if you would have said the Kings would have been in second place in the Pacific and had a five-point lead on the next closest uh, team and really, uh, you know, had that first 42 games and gone 24, 13, and 5, I think most of us would probably have been fairly elated. But the way those last last two games kind of shook out uh, kind of left a sour taste in the mouth as we uh, approached the the bye week. So who are the real L.A. Kings? Once again, the team that's solidly in second, or is the reality that they were playing above their level and uh, the reality is they're closer to the team that lost to Calgary and lost to Nashville? Uh, Yeah. See, this is a real tough one, because
0: if you would have told me back in early October the Kings would get off to a torrid start, and then, oh, by the way, you're going to lose Jeff Carter. You're going to lose Jeff Carter. Uh, I would have thought that, shoot, we're heading toward the iceberg, uh, that the Hindenburg is actually going to land on top of the Titanic, and there goes our season. Mm -hmm. Like, it's over. That hasn't proven to be the case this year. And here's what it comes down to. This is a team that they're still – they formed an identity, and these guys are bonded. I mean, these guys are close. These guys really do care about each other. And it's been a – that's been the difference this year. If you go and look through all the Kings' losses, I think they've only lost maybe three or four games by more than one goal. In 42 games, to have – you, out of the losses you've had, only three or possibly four beat by more than one goal. Guys, this is a team that is in it in every game. They are in every game. The the stinkers that that were put up were obviously the the game against Tampa, the opening period against Las Vegas, the second period against Calgary. Uh, this I was at the home game against the Predators. And while I really I, – I hate using the referees as an excuse, but the Kings spent so much time in the box, and there was even a penalty they wanted to call on Drew Dowdy until that ref that wanted to call him for God knows what, God knows why, was talked out of it, literally. Like Whistle was up, they were going to sit and to the box, and he got talked out of it. Because it was just so – it was just kind of like against a team like Nashville, you're gonna, they're going to take advantage of everything because they're so damn good. So it does come down to those things. So I – you know what? These guys have really done well, and for me, I'm impressed. I'm happy with them, with what they've done, and I really am looking forward to see what they do in the second half, with, especially coming out right now against Anaheim, because Anaheim is going to have a couple players back that they didn't have the first time. They did not have Getzloff, and they did not have Kessler, and they've got them back. So and now they've also got Henrique who they they've added when they when they traded uh I think was it was it uh, Lindholm over to New Jersey. Who did they trade to New Jersey uh, for ba- Henrique?
2: Seppi Botten. Seppi Botten.
0: That's right, Sammy Botten. Okay, yeah, Sammy Botten. So they trade Botten away. Uh yeah, so these are uh this is a this, this is going to be a different Ducks team than the one they faced the first time around when they went to Anaheim. Uh so now the second half of the season, I believe John Stevens said that uh these guys should use these games off as an opportunity to focus on what it is they want to accomplish on finding themselves and coming back fresh, mentally recharged. And that's what this bye week is is for. And hopefully these guys come back ready to ready to take it home in the second half. And the good thing is this, when they get going, the all-star week is just around the corner again. So – that's more, time, that, that's more time for Jeff Carter to come back and more time for Jeff Carter to hopefully be ready and, and get us more games with him is being like, sort of like that deadline acquisition without having to give anything up. So that's what I'm looking forward to, is to see hopefully Mr. Carter back in the, uh, back on the ice where he belongs, centering a line between whoever they decide to put him with and him finding his legs really fast and getting these guys
1: and keeping them going. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That was something I did say for sure was that uh, was that the bye week could not have come at a better time. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about Carter later in the show, anticipated to be, hap- uh, to be back perhaps in February sometime. So, uh, Jeff, go ahead and kind of break down what uh, your thoughts were as we're here at the midway point of the season. Jeez, it seems like yesterday we were doing just shows about preseason, but here we are uh, <laughs> halfway through. What were your thoughts uh, so far?
2: Let's put it this way, all right? At this time last year, last season, the Kings were in fourth in the Pacific Division, 22 wins, 23 losses, and 48 points. 113 goals for and 113 goals against. That's where they were, and they had a healthy Jeff Carter for that entire season who actually had a really good year. But, of course, they had many injuries someplace else. And then you look at the standings today where the Kings are second in the Pacific Division, 24-13-5, right, 53 points, 126 goals, and 99 goals uh, goals against, complete night and day. And as Augie was saying, the losses that the Kings did have, And some of those losses were more uglier watching than when you look at the numbers by the end of the game. But at the end of the day, like Dustin Brown loves to say 10 times in one interview, by the end of the day, though, uh, it was only one goal game that they lost, which means that the Kings are competitive. And Argy is right again. This team is bonded where they were not bonded last year. And one cool thing John Stevens, Coach John Stevens, revealed – I believe he was talking to uh, insider John Rosen. He was saying that uh, when the Kings started playing, like when they were in China uh, playing the preseason against Vancouver Canucks, the Kings would score, but no one on the team would celebrate. And he he talked to his players like, hey, guys – um, you're allowed to celebrate your goals. Do it. Everybody put your arms up in the air and celebrate and hug each other. And the players were like, oh yeah, that's right. We're allowed to do that now because it's, it's no longer Daryl Sutter there who doesn't like them to show certain types of emotion. And uh, so these guys bonded. That trip to China really was something the Kings needed. They needed to be together and go on this trip and experience something together early in the season and remind themselves that they actually really like each other and like playing with each mm-hmm. other because, because the Kings, like, you know, um, uh, nobody was helping anybody out. Nobody went to down or Carter's defense, um, except, well, Brady McNabb, but whatever. Uh, he doesn't count anymore. Uh, the Kings were just not, there was no chemistry anymore with the players and this season right off the bat, even with, you know, right now the Kings have lost, say what it, it's, uh, They've lost three out of five games the last five games. One of them was an overtime loss. They've lost the last two. But even then, it's a team that is having fun again. It's a team that, yeah, they're not perfect. They're still flawed. There's still holes on this team. I still think they still need a top-four defenseman. Uh, They definitely need Jeff Carter to come back and Jake Muzzin to be uh, healthy and injury-free. But... The All Star game is also an indication that Andre Kopitar, who's having a resurgence of the year, Drew Dowdy, who many have already, and I'm knocking on wood because I don't want to jinx anything, so hockey gods, I am knocking on wood. But right now, Drew Dowdy is number one on so many people's lists to get a second Norris trophy. You have Jonathan Quick, who sometimes doesn't have a good game. You know, remember that game against Vegas, that first period? Um, You know, sometimes you let some bad goals in, but overall has been playing very, very well that there is a big difference. And then you have guys like Dustin Brown, who's come back and has been the Brownie of old. You got a healthy Tyler Foley, and so on and so forth, that it is almost like they're an entirely different team. And this is a team that's been rotating players in and out when it comes to the third and fourth lines, bringing guys up from the farm and back. But the chemistry is back. The passion is back. And if they do lose... They fight to the very end. So, of, of course, it has not been a perfect season. And let's be honest, Vegas, the Golden Knights have been playing fantastic. They are number one in the Pacific Division. They're up by seven points, I believe, on the Kings right now with one game in hand now. And, you know, kudos to them. But if they weren't having this freak season that normally expansion teams would not have, the Kings would have that first place spot with the record they have right now. So there's no shame in that. So I have a lot of faith in the Kings this year. It's the first time in a while that I'm actually believing in these players. And where last year, where the Kings would be down maybe one nothing you would right away automatically think, well, this game is over. And of course, of course the Kings of Mold And a long time, Kings fans have been brainwashed to think that. Where now, like, the Kings do actually come back. In some games, they've tied it up and won it in overtime or in a shootout. Uh, they will compete. They are playing for each other. They're, they're having fun. And you know what? The hunger is back. So, comparing to where they were last year, again, at exactly this point in time, to this year, it's like it's a totally different team with different players, but it's not. John Stevens just has these guys believing, and he lets them know that he believes in them, in them, and that's made all the difference in the
1: world. And again, all this without Jeff Carter. Yeah, absolutely. Well said. Well said, Jeff. That uh, was worthy of a uh, hearty round of applause. You deserve it, my friend. Oh, thank you. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Yep, thanks, I love
0: make sure you... our live studio audience. Gotta love the live studio <laughs> audience.
1: Absolutely. Make sure you thank God and your agent. I uh, always
2: thank the hockey so...
1: gods and my agent is upstairs <laughs> sleeping, so we're not gonna wake her up. Because she
2: has to go to bed she has to go to bed early, and if I wake her up, it's like a wake the dragon.
1: We do not want that. But it will make for great oh, radio, yes. I'll tell you that. Indeed, indeed. All right, well, Other LA Kings news. The all-star teams were announced today, and the Kings had not one, not two, but three uh, players selected. Actually, second most in the NHL. Tampa Bay had four uh, selected for the game, but the Kings uh, coming in second with three. None other than Drew Dowdy, no surprise there, having a a fabulous season uh, when we do our own three-star selections. More often than not, he's going to be – uh, scratching at the board there. Uh, and Zikopitar, once again, amazing uh, turnaround from uh, his season last year. Uh, not a lot went right this year. Uh, once again, credit John Stevens uh, really turning around. And Jonathan Quick, once again, we said it many a time, one of the league's best, and uh, he is going to be uh, on the all-star team. So uh, congratulations uh, to all those guys. Uh, for making the all-star team. And uh, always good to have uh, Kings players making uh, making the team and watching them. Probably really the only reason uh, to watch the all-star game. And let me ask you that, Jeff. I mean, I know you're in Toronto. You're as huge a hockey fan as anybody. If there were no Kings playing in the all-star team, and let's say uh, the Kings are at the bottom of the standings, would you still watch the game?
2: Uh, you know what? Yeah, because – I'm not as big a fan of the All-Star Game uh, since, like, uh, com- in comparison to like when I was a kid. And I really, I really feel like the All-Star Game is meant for two things: for the NHL to make more money, you know, take advantage of you, you, know, using the players when they should be having a break, and blah blah blah. And of course, for kids, because for kids, I, um, you know, cause especially back then, where when you had best on best tournaments, where you had like the best of the elite of the NHL all spread out playing for their country was really the only time, uh, you would get to see, uh, a lot of the best, the best playing together, usually enemies, rivals, but now being teammates. And, uh, not only came every once every four years, sometimes five years because the Canada Cup, now the World Cup of Hockey has a crazy schedule. There's, like, it's, not as very, it's not very well organized. So I always looked forward to the All-Star Game as a kid so I could see uh, Wayne Gretzky play with Mario Lemieux. I could see uh, Rob Blake be teamed up with, I don't know, Ray Bork, which actually ended up happening in Colorado. But this was back when Blake was a king or whatever. You know, I just love seeing that. But today... Uh, not so much. I do like the way that they changed the rules and now made it a three-on-three tournament. It has made it a little bit more unpredictable and fun, right? But if the Kings aren't in there, I will probably will watch it. I mean, I was so pumped for Yaroslav Ma- uh, Madri when he made the all-star game for the Kings, you know. And I believe that was the all-star game at the Staples Center. I want to say 2002, but I'm not 100% sure on that. But I thought that was pretty cool. But yeah, I definitely like to see our boys on there and I just want to make a mention that I, I really wish one more player also made it onto the team and I felt he deserved to be there as well and that's of course downtown Justin Brown who got the snub who's having a fantastic season with 15 goals, 17 assists, 32, uh, 32 points, a plus 17, and if of course, long up team fans, all team fans, people who are outside of the kingdom have no idea what a big difference that is from what Brown has been for the last three to four years. But you can't fit everyone, and it is the NHL rules that you have to include at least one guy or whatever uh, from every team. So, yeah, you know, Arizona, like, for example, Arizona, uh, they're part of the Pacific Division. They're going to be playing with Kopitar, Gowdy, and Jonathan Quick. They got out. El- Oliver Eknek, Larson on there. They have to put somebody on there, even though Arizona has been absolutely crap for the entire season and last season as well. But that's just the, real, that's just the way it goes. I was really hoping Bronny would be in there. But on the plus side, hey, he gets an extra week of rest and work it out so he can have an awesome second half of the season as he's had the first half of the season. But yeah, the prestige of the All-Star game is gone for me, but I'm always proud with the LA Kings that get so
1: Absolutely And rounding out your uh, Pacific Division squad uh, Apart from Kopitar Dowdy and Quick uh, You got Brock Bozer, high scoring uh, rookie There for Vancouver Canucks Uh, You got Johnny Gaudreau Johnny Hockey uh, Connor McDavid, uh, the next one James Neal Uh, Once again, tremendous season uh, With the Las Vegas Golden Knights And uh, Anaheim Ducks Ricard Raquel Rounding out your defenseman, Brett Burns, uh, with uh, Adam Ekman Larson, uh, is going to be the last defenseman for our goalies, along with Mr. Quick. We got uh, Mark Andre Florey once again with Vegas having a tremendous season and uh, coaching the team, Gerard Gallant. So you know what? As I look at uh, at that squad, uh, you really gotta like their chances. <laughs> I mean, really, when you think about it, when you're playing three on three. Uh, those are our three pretty good players, uh, or I'm sorry, six pretty good players at forward uh, that you really got to like their chances. I think they actually stack up good uh, very well, I should say, against uh, the other teams really when it comes to forward, just because they really are uh, players that are smaller, faster, uh, more, more skill oriented. So in this area, I kind of like uh Pacific chances. Of course, it's always a crap shoot. Uh, once the game starts, nobody really gives uh the players, anyhow, don't, let's be honest, they don't really give a frog's fat ass whether they win or lose. It's all about having a lot of fun, which is all right by me. And uh, good luck to them, though. It will be it will be fun to watch. And you know what, Jeff? Uh, to be honest, the three-on-three does make it a, a little bit funner to watch than in years past where it was just shinny hockey and, uh, yes. and not a lot of emotion. I think with that three-on-three, definitely going to be much more exciting and really be able to show a lot more skill for the players and. I think it'll be kind of interesting too, just to watch uh, how the coaches approach it. It's a it's a different animal. Let's be honest. Uh, you know, if I if I was coaching the all star team, you know, it's it's easy. It's an easy to coach an all star team when you have that many players. There's not a lot of coaching, but with that three on three format, it really be will be interesting to see if the coaches, you know, if they just let them play or if they do preach a kind of a different style. If they go with uh, Strong two-man forecheck, or maybe try to go with a one-one-one. You know, and I'm, I'm, for that I'm very intrigued, and uh, from from that aspect, it'll probably be a fun a fun view. Check if, if if I'm watching this
2: all-star game, and we're seeing a one formation because the coaches are actually coming up with strategy and formations to win an all-star game uh, tournament, which in the end doesn't really mean anything except for bragging rights, I I, I may change my tune completely and be all about the all-star game. If Gerard Delant comes up with some crazy, if he, if Galant comes up with some crazy, I don't know, neutral zone trap for a three-on-three all-star game, It's like, okay, the game has changed for the better. That would be amazing. But, of course, I want to make sure none of our Kings guys get hurt. And if a Brent Burns actually twists his ankle or – or uh, uh, you know a Raquel or something. I'm also not against that too. I'm willing to sacrifice the Pacific Division, not winning the All-Star game, despite Coach Glantz' great strategy, strategic coaching strategies to win an All-Star three-on-three uh, tournament. But uh, some of our enemies could get a little knocked because it's getting a little competitive because of that open ice, and you know players like to win. Um, I'm not against that either. Right. But that'd be so cool if we see some type of like crazy trap formation or something, just to mess up the other team. And the other coach was totally not prepared because he didn't take it seriously. Cause it is the all-star game. That would be awesome.
1: Yeah, indeed. Indeed. You know, that's what makes it fun. Once again, throwing, throwing those curve balls is what makes it entertaining to the viewer for sure. And, uh, Of course, the NHL knowing how they love to water down the product for mass consumption. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Hey, moving, uh, moving right along. And once again, I could spend all sorts of time talking about the all-star team and trying to match up, uh, the Pacific division (laughs) against the central, but I don't, I don't know if that's the best use of our limited time. So, uh, next let's get (laughs) to it. Uh, the world junior championship, uh, congratulations to your uh, team Canada there, Jeff. And, uh, I know uh, thank you, you spent thank a you. lot of time watching this and a uh, uh, little bit of criticism about, uh, Cale uh, on the boards. And once again, not, uh, not an overwhelming performance, uh, not very notable on his end. Uh, just real quick, since you are uh captain Canada or assistant captain Canada, let's, uh, I, I'll take the pressure off you, but, uh, why don't you give us a little critique of Cale uh, Clegg's performance and uh, let us, you know, what were your thoughts about that?
2: It was actually uh, negatively surprising uh, because Cale Clegg played for the Brandon Wheat Kings in the Western Hockey League and in his second straight World Junior Championship because he was on the team last year as well, uh, did not He just did not take things to another level as Canada had originally uh, potentially wanted him to be. I mean, they put an A on his chest. He's now one of the leaders of the team. He's having a fantastic season with the Wheat Kings. Uh, 10 goals, 37 assists, 47 points, A plus, 31. This is all and only 28 games, played absolutely (laughs) phenomenal, and to be honest, he was actually quite invisible on that Team Canada. There was actually other defensive players that uh, especially say, like, I would watch it up here in Canada, of course, so it was on the the TSN network, so uh, Gordon Miller from TSN has been doing this tournament for, like, 20 years even he kind of said, you know, Kill Clegg having kind of a, a quiet tournament, and he actually finished the tournament as a minus one, which really just kind of blew my mind. He did end up getting two assists, but he just did not stand out. He did have some great moments where he played fantastically defensively, and uh, who knows what is said you know behind the scenes in the locker room what type of a leader he was as a part of that leadership group for Team canada and of course obviously it worked out because canada went all the way and won the gold medal but clay just did not stand out the way that everybody was hoping he would stand out especially since he's been an offensive and defensive force in the western hockey league playing against some of these players who play out west and just really just having an invisible job out there which sometimes is a good thing. For certain players, it's good not to stand out because that's their role. They're doing their job. They're not the fancy players. But, Clegg, uh, there were higher expectations, definitely by sense stance, uh, definitely by uh, the Canadian brass and some of the Canadian media. But, uh, you know, the Canadian coaches, they were saying that they were very proud of how Clegg played. Uh, he, pl- he played the system to a T. But yeah, he there was a lot of uh, mistakes that he would do, and then someone like Kale uh, McCarr, who was. who was drafted by the Colorado Avalanche, he stood out. He became the darling of the Canadian media and the Canadian commentators of the game when a lot of people, including myself, were predicting that uh, this was going to be Clay's year um, where he was like really going to show what he has at this best-on-best junior tournament. And that just happened not to be the case. So he played good. I'm not saying he, he was garbage. He did play good, but he did not... Unless there's an injury we don't know about, he did not step up to the level that uh, team Canada Canadians and as well as King fans were expecting at least Canadian King fans were expecting him to play
1: for this tournament that there is a slight disappointment with his performance okay, very good. A wonderful recap uh, right there of, uh, of kale Clegg King's uh, second round pick uh, still still though. In- of uh, somewhat of an underwhelming performance, uh, still really posted to almost be the gem of the draft. Once again, selected uh, in the second round uh, by the LA Kings, 51st overall. And as you mentioned, 47 points in 28 games. And to give you an idea of that, uh, you know, 43 points in 71 games is rookie season, 40 in 48. Uh, his sophomore yes. season, and so, I mean, those are just, I, I don't care what damn division you're in, 47 points in 20, plus 31 in 20, that's just, those are phenomenal numbers. And once again, I think a lot of fans that maybe are just looking at the numbers, and without a doubt, I would be a liar if I didn't think say that I had higher expectations, but uh, there is a shitload of pressure that gets put on a Canadian player when they are doing tournaments such as these, a United States player is there pressure? Yes, but there is not the national focus that there is for any Canadian hockey player. Do, you know so really, a United States player they 're always going to know going into a tournament that they 're somewhat going to be an underdog you know it's just it goes with the territory, but Canada, they are expected to win, and uh, you can almost think. Uh, Maybe wearing the A. Maybe he was trying to do too much. And once again, you don't know any other variable, so uh, we won't put too much stock into it. Let's just hope he gets his game back together, uh, because uh, there are, by all accounts, a lot of scouts are uh, a lot of scouts are actually saying that he might be able to crack uh, the King squad next season. Jeff, do you think that's definitely premature? Well, he's 19 years old. Uh,
2: it's possible to get maybe into the AHL, but he, I don't think he'll be cracking the, the Kings roster anytime soon. There's still some work that needs to be done. He is definitely on the road to that potential, but he's not there yet, and I wouldn't even be surprised if they brought him back at least for one more year to play in the kings just to get one more uh, year of seasoning at that level before making the jump to the American Hockey League uh, with professionals, with former NHL players or players trying to get back in the, in the NHL or players where that's the highest level they're going to reach is the American Hockey League. So they give her, you know, they they want to win and do the best that they can. So it, it's that's probably, uh, like, I don't see that happening. I've seen stranger things happen, but I, I, I don't think that'll be happening at all. And again, like you said, Hip we don't know the variables and what went on with Kill Clay during this tournament here, maybe the A weighed him down a little bit. Uh, the pressure of playing, you know, Buffalo, of course, is in the United States, but it's right at the Canadian border, and, and there were a lot of Canadian fans, at least for the Canada Games, when there wasn't a blizzard, because the weather has been absolutely insane with blizzards and snow and everything, that a lot of people couldn't make the games, but, uh yeah, there, he still has a bit to go in his development, but, it, but he's on the right track If he stays focused, stays healthy, and keeps doing what he's doing. One day, if he doesn't get traded, knock on wood again for the hockey gods who always listen to this show, uh, one day he will be an mm-hmm. L.A. King.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Augie, we uh, we've talked a lot. Uh, did you follow the World Juniors at all, Augie?
0: Yeah, you know what? I was uh, privileged enough to uh, to catch quite a few of the games. I didn't get to follow it as intensely as uh, Jeff does. I mean, Jeff is, is the guy that I go to uh, when I want to find out about some up-and-coming player because he does such a good job over there watching those kids on both sides Thank of the borders. You, sir. especially Thank the you. ones... Oh, of course, of course. Especially the ones uh, with uh, ties to the Los Angeles Kings. Uh, <clears throat> but, uh, I mean, Kale Clegg... I, what I saw out of him out there was a guy who's willing to be a team player. So whatever, if there was something that was uh, afflicting him in some way or that he wasn't didn't have a moment to shine in there, I, you know what? I also didn't see anything there that made me go, oh, my God, we have just drafted, uh, insert disaster name number two here. So if you're a Jake Muzzin hater, you would say, oh, my God, we just redrafted Jake Muzzin. If you're on my side of the fence with uh, with the Braden McNabb exposure, then, oh, my God, yeah. we just got Brayden McNabb again. So, I mean, I didn't <laughs> see anything like that. And sometimes just an opportunity isn't there to necessarily be be the shining star. Sometimes you just have to fill the role correctly. And uh, like I said, I, I didn't see anything there that was horrible. But at the same token, like Jeff so astutely pointed out, I didn't see anything that was a headline grabber either, and that could either be good, but the uh, one thing the one thing that that I did notice from what I got to see on him over there uh, is that he didn't look as overmatched as he as he looked against pro level competition. Kind of one of these things where uh, when he would get against pro level competition. He would look a little bit out of place. He'd make some nice plays on an individual basis, but he would fall a little short in the team game. I saw him more in sync. Uh, I saw him more in sync this time around. So we'll see what happens. Uh, of course, we'll follow his development. And he's only 19 years old, so we've got that going forward as well.
1: Absolutely. Now shifting gears, uh, we got some huge news. Uh, regarding uh, Gabe Velarde. Uh, Of course, Gabriel Velarde, uh, King's uh, first-round pick last year's draft, overall number 11. And uh, out with a back injury, we talked a little bit on the show about uh, speculating whether that maybe had uh, hurt his stock because by all intents and purposes, uh, many had him slated as the number three pick, certainly no worse than the top five. And uh, by the grace of God, he fell to the Kings at number eleven. He is back, and he is back with a vengeance. And uh, he was uh, traded just recently uh, to the Kingston Frontenacs from uh, the Windsor Spitfires, and uh, six points in three games, and uh, just just a ton of news and a ton of things to talk about. And uh, first off, Jeff will be able to elaborate more than I will, uh, being in Canada there, but. Uh, traded. uh, Windsor's uh, general manager is Warren Reichel, and uh, he traded. uh, It was revealed and he had said this, and you know first off too, uh, Warren Reichel, Rob Blake, they got to have, the communication lines are open between those two, being former teammates. uh, I'm assuming they've got probably a pretty good relationship. Anyhow, it was revealed that uh, Warren Reichel uh, wanted to trade Vallardi from Windsor not because he was unhappy with him, not because he thought he was underperforming, but because he thought that he was going to be in the NHL next season. That was literally the reason that Warren Reichel traded Velarde, was because he assumed that his skill level was going to be as such, that there was no way in hell he was going to go back to the junior league. Thus, he wanted to get as much as he could – while he could, knowing that it was probably going to be his last season. Uh, furthermore, uh, I was reading some additional interviews where uh, I believe it was somebody on hockey's uh, future HF board uh, had actually ran into Mike Fuda. And when we talked about Gabriel Velarde, really the most common uh, comparison to a former NHL player was always with Jason Allison. So somebody went and asked uh, you know Mike Fuda, about the uh, Velarde, Jason Allison comparison, and I'm just paraphrasing here, but he uh, Fuda basically said that Velarde was actually a far better player than Jason Allison. Not a far better player at this level or at this age or at this time frame, but he made basically made it no bones about it that Velarde was going to be a better player than uh, former King Jason Allison, which really, I mean, that's, that's huge words. And when you look at the time of his layoff uh, to come back and be scoring (laughs) like two points, two points a game, coming off an injury on a new team, very, very, very impressive. Jeff, what is uh, the Canadian media, uh, what's their reaction to Gabriel uh, Velarde, not only the trade, but once again, just playing again and seeing ice time again?
2: Well, this is a player that is very well watched. Uh, dissected, and uh, talked about um, when he played when he played for the Windsor Spitfires. Of course, Windsor last year won the Memorial Cup. He was a big part of that. Uh, and the big thing, here's the strange thing. I ended up, as I mentioned before in the show, I did receive credentials uh, with the Kitchener Rangers whenever a team that has Kings prospects, I can go – in the press box and cover those games no problem and of course some of those games are with the Windsor Spitfires but with Velarde being hurt since the summer or actually since the Memorial Cup tournament he was playing injured uh, which ended up being his back they thought it was his hip turned out to be his back turned out to be more serious uh, than they thought it was going to be but uh, the the people that the, the guys who were there in the press box cover, covering who came to Kitchener to cover the Spitfires could not wait for Velarde to come back from injury they really wanted him back so this trade the Kingston really came out of nowhere it was actually a complete shock that Windsor would be given up on a player who has been working so hard to get back in there and could help them uh try to retain the Memorial Cup in his last year of playing for them probably before you know because he's like he's Unlike Kill Kilclade is a very talented player, but Velarde, and of course, they play different positions. Velarde is a center. You can play Ling. Uh, Kilclade is a defenseman. So, of course, there, there there's some different variables involved, but Velarde is just a step up. So, the Windsor... Um, press. We're really excited for him to come back, because he would be a missing link that the Winter Spitfires needed, because right now, I mean, they've been playing very well, but they're fourth in the Western Conference of the Ontario Hockey League. 22 wins, 13 losses with 47 points, which is actually very, very good. But you got, like, the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds, who also have a Kings prospect in that, playing excellent. You have the Rangers, the Sting, all above them and everything, and they trade away someone that they could use to Kingston, who pretty much have almost an identical record uh, in the other division uh, in the Eastern Conference that Windsor has. It just it was kind of strange. Just what I like When I was talking to a few people and the vibe that I got to something I read, it was really a very strange trade because uh, it really kind of came very quickly and kind of out of nowhere. Uh, Windsor, at least uh, the media, did not see how they were expecting him to play for the Windsor Spitfires, especially him being a big uh, piece of the puzzle for them to win the Memorial Cup without a doubt. But one thing I do want to say about the trade is that when he got traded, and he got traded on New Year's Day uh, to the Kingston and Frontenacs, along with Sean Day, uh, they were traded for player uh, Cody Morgan and six draft picks. Six When Wayne Gretzky got (laughs) traded to Los Angeles, sure, there was 50 billion million involved. Sure. Okay. But there were also players involved. Jimmy Carson, right? Uh, Probably the the most famous of the trades. Martin Jelena was a part of that trade. But... There was only three draft picks, if I remember correctly, uh, but six draft picks because of Velarde. So Kingston is going to give up, so uh, give up, you know, some of their uh, future picks that are coming, going to come in and round out the team. Doug Gilmore was a big part of that team. He was a general manager. He's, I believe, he's team president now of the Kingston Frontenacs. They wanted. Uh, Velarde bad they they were willing to give up uh, to give up six players that would come to their pipeline and, for the chance to have Velarde even if he's only going to be able to play half the season because of his injury. So yeah, a lot of people shocked with that trade. Uh, some fans, I know a couple of fans, uh, a couple of people who are Windsor Spitfire fans shaking their heads like I I don't I don't get uh, why they would let him go because if he shakes off the rust which he seems to have done already playing uh, in the OHL, playing for Kingston, six points in three games, like you mentioned. Um, if somebody wins, they still needed. So it was a very, very strange deal. But you know what? As, for me, as long as Villardi is healthy and he gets back on track and he continues showing the world that he is a valuable player and the Kings, this is a guy the Kings are going to want on the roster sometime soon in the near future. It doesn't matter if he plays for Windsor, Kingston, or in the West. He can play the KHL for all I care. As long as he doesn't get hurt and he plays well and shows that he deserves to be a king at some point, and you know he'll play for the rain and everything, everything's all good. But it was a shock trade. Very good, very good.
1: Uh, uh, Augie, you have to be really, too, I mean – no, hearing hearing once again that uh, many, many are projecting Velarde to be able to make the NHL next year, once again, and that's a huge, I mean, tremendous jump up. But uh, knowing that really, uh, and we're going to get into the rain here in just a minute, but once again, figuring that you're now looking with the maturation of Adrian Kempe, uh, and once again, this season is still just halfway, but next year you are looking at the possibility of having uh, uh, Kopitar, Carter, Vellardi, and Kempi down the middle of your lineup. I mean, does that not just have to to make you excited, really, for the the, the future of the LA Kings?
0: It all depends on this kid's uh, <clears throat> on his ability to stay healthy, and he's got to improve his skating. That is the that is the one knock on him. Is is he? Can he be an NHL-caliber skater? Now, from what I read about him when the Kings drafted him, which was a total shock and surprise, and as a matter of fact, it was such a shock and surprise that uh, not only was I surprised by it, but apparently John Rosen was surprised by it too because they had done no research on him because they said there was no way he was going to be available. So uh, one of the things, I did read an article, and... The, the thing that just kept getting sounded over and over about him is how he was a coach's dreams. He was always looking to improve his game, whether it was stick handling, whether it was foam rolling in the gym. Uh, one of the things that Reichel did say about him is that he does not cheat the game. Uh, he is the guy who's working the hardest when no one's looking, no matter at every level. And so this is a kid who just le- lives, breathes, and loves hockey. Now, he did not participate in the prospect camp when I went there. However, he was there. And I got a chance to stand next to him. He definitely is 6'3", 200 pounds, and a healthy 200 pounds. So this is a guy that does have the size, but uh, we got to see what he can do against pro-level talent. So uh, that's that's what – i have seen that's what i have heard and read about him and i'm really excited to see what he can do next year when the prospect camp comes around and when they start to the scrimmage against some of these other players that are bigger size than him or that are his size or larger and see how he can measure up there with those other fellows
1: yeah absolutely and one thing uh, when you talk about uh velarde uh, i mean you say there's playing against bigger players, but right now he's six foot three and two hundred pounds. So uh, I don't know. I don't know how many bigger. Many, they're not going to be too many uh, apart from Justin Auger, Not sure how many uh, two bigger players there are going to be. But once again, you do have to, to love the the skating and the the scouting report. I should say his ability to uh, protect the puck, uh, amazing passing. Uh, really, a very very similar to Joe Thornton. Really, when you look at it. Uh, when you look at that, uh, the size, the putt protection, uh, the passing ability and whatnot. And once again, you throw in being a hard worker. I mean, that's definitely a diamond in the rough and uh, definitely something uh, to keep your eye on as we move forward. Uh, switching gears here, uh, the one thing that's probably got to be really a huge disappointment right now, uh, definitely the play of the Ontario Reign. Uh, currently sixth in the Pacific Division. Uh, 16, 14, and one, and uh, just just not impressive at all. Uh, I think everybody kind of had higher hopes for them, but it has been a rough season. Really, the only uh, the only bright side going on right now with the Ontario Reign is the play of Mike Amadio. We talked about it the other day. Uh, statistically, he gets better every season with every league he goes, and so he. You look at his historic record. He just he improves with every year, and uh, right now over a point per game clip uh, for Ontario, uh, 30 points, 27, uh, 30 points in 27 games, pretty impressive. Uh, old buddy Michael Mersch uh, in second place there, 25 points in 33 games. Uh, newly acquired Matt Molson, of course, not on the, the Kings roster, really being loaned by Buffalo as an attaboy. Tearing up the league, but then again, that's to be expected given uh, Molson's status as a bona fide NHL player playing in the minor leagues. Uh, other notables uh, rookie Matt Luff, 17 points in 32 games, not too shabby, fourth overall in scoring. And uh, coming in at number five, Paul Ledoux. Uh, some whisperers that uh, Ledoux might be called up to uh, the team. Dennis Bernstein, of course. Uh, uh, some people I'd asked him wasn't quite sure about uh, the skill set as far as him being able to make the jump to the NHL. And I thought he looked good in moments last year. Uh, but uh, once again, uh, I don't know. It's it's a strange – it's a strange – Augie and Jeff, I'll throw this to both of you. I think we all had kind of much higher hopes for Ontario, right?
0: I'll let Jeff – Jeff, go ahead, then I'll chime in after you.
1: Oh, yeah, most definitely – Hip
2: check. Um, a couple of things though. Uh, Mike Amadio, like you mentioned, uh, he's been pretty much the one standout. And with Mersh in second, I don't know, know Mersh uh, only has a few points less uh, than Amadio, But even though he has played a few more games, it's still having an off season. There's something up with Mersh. I don't know if it's a confidence issue. I don't know if it's because he's been up, he's been down, he hasn't been not back up to the Kings this year at all but something is off with Mersh. And, uh, one thing that the Ontario rain were really excited for was, was bringing in, uh, Spencer Watson, who played for the Mississauga ice dogs last year in the OHL with Jacob Oferrari, another Kings prospect who played for Sweden, uh, in the world junior championship. Uh, Watson has been injured. He's only been able to play eight games. And in those eight games, he was not very good. Um, Things are just off. Now, I'm not too sure because I haven't been able to follow the rain this year as much as I have the last couple of seasons because I no longer cover them for Tally's friend of the show, Jim Ellis, who now has that responsibility. Um, So it could be many different factors, and you guys probably would know better than I do. But one thing that does stand out uh, that John Stevens does a lot different what Daryl Sutter used to do. Of course, he has been bringing up a lot of guys, so they can have their cup of coffee and then throwing them back down and taking another big guy and whatever. And I wonder how much that has affected the team. I wonder how much of having Johnny Brodzinski uh, now, you know, being with the Kings for some for some time or for a lot of time this season has affected the team as well. And uh, you know, losing some of like Curtis McDermott, How how much since his, he's been up with the Kings. Making uh, uh, the team like right off the camp, how much that affected them as well because that's a great guy to have, you know, at your back, uh, you know, playing in the American Hockey League. But I will have to say though, Cal Peterson, even though you know the rain have never been as well as they do, Cal Peterson though has been keeping them in in a lot of teams. I believe he got selected to the NHL uh, All Star Game. Uh, he had a 9.17 save percentage, which is Average. It's average in the NHL. I'm actually not, not sure what the average of the H O is. We got Jack Campbell who, you know, 262 goals against average, that is not good, but has a 920 safe percentage. A poor goal against average, but a strong safe percentage to show that, you know, the goalie actually have been playing very well, and and they have been keeping the team in it, but the rest of the team, whether they're depleted of depth or whatever, I'm not sure, but they just have not been able to kick it into second or third gear and get some type, some type of momentum so they can get some type of winning streak to get these guys believing again because they are just getting lower and lower in the standings. And you know what? They need to try to get up there and do what they can do because they do still have some players that can definitely compete at that level. So it's very interesting. I'm really interested to hear what you guys think and what your theories are of why the rain isn't doing good. But I think the revolving door of players has definitely hurt it. The injury, Spencer Watson, uh, so far has been a failed experiment. The guy gets hurt, what can you do? And guys like Michael Mursh not playing like how Michael Mersh had played in the past, like the Michael Mersh of 2015. So I definitely want to hear what, Augie, you have to say about that.
0: Well, from my viewpoint, this is just uh... – the way that I see things with it, I, I think that, uh, let's see, Stuthers has been there since 2014. And you've got a mix of players here where there's kind of an age gap between them. You've got some really young guys. And then you've got some guys that are that are in their late 20s and some in their early 30s on this team. Uh, and this particular mix, I don't, think, I don't think it's meshing well. You couple that with a voice that hasn't changed in four years, and it gets old. And I see, from what I've seen out there, I have not seen inspired hockey. I see, And when, I, when I'm saying that, I'm not singling any one particular player out. I see a team that's out of sync. I see a team that is kind of like uh, just that it's a lack of trust. And they have no synergy. This team is just uh, – they're not playing as a team. It's like a collection of individuals. And you've got a few guys that connect with each other. They're not connecting as a whole from what I've observed. And maybe it's the voice at the, at the head of it. Maybe it's Stothers. Uh, that, this is a guy who was very uh, – from what I've heard, uh, is someone that is kind of like a Daryl Sutter kind of coach – And maybe that kind of approach is not going to work with these guys. Maybe it's not going to work with this collection there. Uh, So that's just what I've seen. I I see a team that's not playing as a
1: team. Gotcha. You know, and uh, Jeff, you brought up a pretty good uh, a pretty good call though. Johnny Brodzinski had ten points in nine games with the the rain. So he was basically a guy that was scoring a point a game uh, while down there with Ontario. So I I don't think it's inconceivable to think, had Brodzinski been on the rain through those entire games through 32 games, yeah I think you're pro- you probably make a good point. They're probably going to win uh, a handful of games they ended up losing, and uh, and definitely increase that scoring. So I think you bring up a a pretty good point in that regard that, uh, that had Brzezinski been there for the team, you could only assume that there's probably a handful more wins, uh, that they would have, uh, under their belts and, uh, you know, and probably be, be much more competitive in in that area. I mean, when you think that, uh, you know, the Texas stars, for instance, right now, even the number one team is San Antonio with 20 wins, uh, and, and more games played, of course, uh, the Pacific Division of the AHL has the, the wacky uh, games played where some teams in the West Coast play less yes. games. Yes. So it changes uh, the, that, uh, you know, it changes that, that whole thing gets thrown out the window. But uh, you're absolutely right for the West Coast teams that do play less games. Really, if you're looking at it in that perspective, it's really the goals that have 18 wins in 32 games. So, really, when you look at it like that, do you think if Johnny Brzezinski is playing all of those games with Ontario, is Johnny Brzezinski probably going to make the difference between them winning one or two more games? And I I think it's impossible to think he wouldn't, given that he was scoring a a point per game and uh, just the dynamic uh, score he is. It'll be interesting to see how that turns around, though, and uh, if for whatever reason Ontario misses the playoffs or, once again, they never get it going all season, kind of be interesting to see uh, if they maybe decide to uh, to make a change of coaching there with Mike Stothers. So uh, interesting stuff there, uh, to say the least, uh, from our Ontario Reigns. So, well, boys, uh, Kings back at it uh, Saturday against uh, once again the the Anaheim Ducks, and uh, you know people were you know lamenting, oh I can't believe the Kings are playing, I miss my LA Kings, and I was kind of like, <laughs> hell this thing couldn't have came fast enough for my team, <laughs> you know, give them a week <laughs> off to to reboot and pull stuff together. Once again too, I think the timing was good because you got to assume. Uh, Folan's probably very close. I mean, he was close to seeing action again anyhow uh, uh, there in the last two games. And you figure we don't really know specifically what happened with Muzzin uh, per se, uh, but you got to figure now that he's probably going to be back. So you're probably going to get a little bit more support uh, there on the D core getting back to uh, the big six that uh, got the Kings to the second place uh, in the uh, Pacific Division. Uh, where we are right now So you got to think pretty good uh, To get a couple bodies coming back And uh, th- Augie did you hear anything What was the word on uh, On uh, Did you get any additional uh, information uh, <laughs>
0: uh, I I wish I could say what I heard But because I cannot Confirm it And I couldn't get anybody to even Give me the I, I, I just couldn't Get the uh, I, I I just didn't get shall we say the the credible nod and being okay. that, uh nothing came out it's kind of like one of those things that uh, it, it it's uh yeah it, it it was definitely an upper
1: body injury uh, I'll, I'll just leave it that. not a problem you, you you can tell you can tell me and Jeff off the I'll air. tell you That's off fine. the
0: air I'll tell you off the air <laughs> I, I, I don't want to I don't want to I don't want to put it I don't want to put it out out there only because I don't know. Who else was privy to it? And then inadvertently by process of elimination, they someone gets outed for kind of being very nice with information with me, and I don't want that to happen. So, <laughs> Okay, not a problem. Uh, yeah. We'll,
1: yeah. We won't drag this show into the depth, so we appreciate that, Augie, and you can kind of, uh, yeah, of course. talk to us off the air. But uh, nonetheless, Kings, come back uh, from the break uh, versus Anaheim. Versus San Jose. So right out of the gate, you got a couple of Pacific Division games. A couple big wins there. Once again, retain that buffer. Huge huge games, really. If the Kings lose those two games, now you're definitely concerned because they're giving up points to a Pacific Division team, and they're all making up ground. And as Jeff said earlier, Anaheim getting healthy. Getzlau's back. Kessler's back. Perry's back. You know, everybody's back, and as much as we hate them, That's not a team that's going to go away. Uh, After that, you got Pittsburgh uh, coming in, never an easy task. Uh, Then you're looking at Anaheim again. So uh, you have a slew of games coming up against some tough East Coast teams, a bunch against uh, Pacific Division foes. Uh, You really, I mean, really, as Kings fans, we got to pray to God that they can right this ship and and get it turned around like they were playing earlier in the season because there are – really some monumental games coming up. And once again, if the slide continues, God only knows what's going to happen here as we, uh, as we move through the season and uh, and whatnot. And uh, is there anything I'm uh, missing out uh, on our prognostication here, uh, moving forward uh, through the season? Uh, we, once again, we, Augie is it, uh around Toyota sports center is uh, the February return for Carter. Is that still uh, the timeline that uh, we're hoping for?
0: No, I, uh, from what I've
1: been from
0: what I've been hearing, uh, February is super optimistic. March is probably more realistic. Okay, uh, gotcha. so I did see him. I did see him walking in the tunnel a few weeks ago without a crutch and without the the, the wheelie, uh, without the cart, obviously. And he was walking with regular shoes, but he was definitely stiff-legged when, when he was walking. Uh, the other day, the last home game, as a matter of fact, he was up uh, in at the top of 102 uh, signing the pet calendars. So he was seated there, and he got, he got up and was moving a little better. But as far as him being in skates, from what I understand, uh, there was a contest that was held as a fundraiser for uh, Junior Kings. And their youth programs there at Toyota Sports Center, and one of the prizes that was that was put up there for auction was an on-ice training session with Jeff Carter, which is scheduled for mid-February. Now, getting out there in skates and just kind of skating around with these kids is way different than getting out there and and trying to make cuts on uh, Logan Couture or Corey Perry or, or Ryan Getzloff, obviously. But it's a matter of how he's going to feel when they put the boot on and he starts to put weight on it and everything like that. If I see him out there, because I do know the date of this little of this little thing he's supposed to do, uh, I will let you guys know that if he does that. And I'm sure when he goes out there and does it, uh, it's a matter of how he feels the next day too. That That's another big thing as well. So it's not just how how he feels skating, but he's going to have to get that mobility back and, and the flexibility in his foot before he's anywhere near NHL ready. Uh, so, and by the way, before we sign off, uh, when we go to a different uh, topic here, I do have some news regarding the events that are going on this weekend uh, over at uh, Staples Center and the uh, the surrounding area for the for the Kings and all these events.
1: Gotcha, gotcha. And you know what, though you you've just said something that uh, that that is amazing. I mean, r- really think. Uh, with this tendon injury once again with him out a significant amount of time. If he's out there skating for this thing, dude, that's that's crazy. That's like the King's doctors would let even even once again if it's just skating with, with kids, you know, I don't I don't care if it's special needs kids for a gazillion dollars, you know, what I mean, like the fact that the King's doctors would let would even consider letting him do that is I mean, is that am I the only one that that's bizarre?
0: Uh, i that's the whole thing it's very it's conditional they committed to this uh, obviously before he got hurt uh, so it was still being offered and that did get cleared through channels so that was the the possibility and given the fact that by the time this event happens I think it's another four weeks away a little over four weeks away uh, that would be the timeline I guess he would be to get out there on skates so That, that to me, is the strength uh, behind it. And hopefully we'll see him out there in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, I'm going to crack up. (laughs) I'm going to laugh. I'm actually going to laugh if he's out there. With one skate on and the other one like in some kind of boot or some kind of contraption, going, oh, man, he just, <laughs> he's out there like with one of those, you, you know, those little, uh, those little walkers, the ice walkers. That would be hilarious. Correct. have yeah, a train. That, that would be awesome. Yeah, exactly. Oh that man, I don't know, I don't know, I no.
2: don't know, man. That's not good. That would not be good. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, I picture, yeah. I picture car. Carter out there still with that stool with wheels that he's been using, you know, for many months now. I'm just so happy to hear that he's walking again, that he's skating, even like Hip Check said, like even if it's with kids and everything. But I know from what I've heard, I mean, up here, the media is still saying he's going to be back sometime in February. I mean, I've heard that from Bob McKenzie. Bob McKenzie, one of the most trusted. Uh, hockey journalists out there, he's still saying that. And anyone from down there, uh, the sources I have down there, including the other King Superfan hockey lawyer, uh, saying that it is in March, maybe even mid-March, not even early March. I mean, this was actually a very serious injury, of course. It led to surgery. It led to him not being able to walk on that leg. You know, he had to use that that fancy stool to get around at the games and, you know, behind the scenes and everything like that. And it's such a strange, strange injury that when you watch the video, how did he get cut by his escape like it was so strange how this happened he's been out for so long but I'm hearing mid-March but once we do get Carter out there man I really really hope it is because he has been given the 100% okay because there would be nothing worse that he doesn't come back 100% and then gets re-injured and then we lose him for the entire season included if we make the playoffs and we so need Jeff Carter uh hashtag El Jefe, to be back. So I really hope that they're doing this proper. Like Augie said, they've they've been going with this strategy since he got hurt and they're sticking with it. They're just not giving us any crumbs of information of what's going to happen, when he's going to return. But I just hope it's because they want to make sure 100% that he is going to return and there's no risk of being re-injured or he's still protecting that leg and therefore something else gets injured because he was compensating his way in his skating, whatever the case may be. We need a healthy 100%, at least 99.9% Jeff Carter, to be out there and be our second-line center Um, and – so we can't fill out that team. Like August said at the beginning of the show, it's like we just traded for him all over again because we definitely lead him for what he does on that ice and what he does behind the scenes. Please, hockey gods, make sure he's back 100%. Yeah,
1: and like I say, to me, to me, I mean, the odds of, the odds of let, letting him do that skate, I would have to think are got to be, fractional <laughs> you know, I, I just I just don't see uh you know Andy Andriov, maybe <laughs> but, but I'm not <laughs> sure I'm not sure of Jeff Carter it'd be like it'd be like when Gretzky was out with the back injury you know it'd be like you know well Wayne Gretzky gonna miss a significant time with a, a back injury However, he is going to compete in a celebrity volleyball game for uh, you know, yeah. the Make-A-Wish Foundation, you know? Oh, my it's gosh, yeah. It's very hard for me to put that together.
0: Well, I, it's, uh, remember, it's just out there with, uh, with kids, and who, who knows? I mean, he, he wouldn't necessarily even have to get out there on stage. I mean, he could just walk out there. I, there's, all yeah, uh, there, there's all kinds of different ways to pull it off. There's all kinds of different ways to put it off. Even if they put him on a carpet, I mean, they will roll a carpet out there for him to walk out there and uh, and then give yeah, it back yeah. to Pia Toscano once they're done with him. So, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, so ceremonial uh,
1: puck or something. Yeah, that makes sense.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, he he would be out there just to fulfill the commitment, especially since it was something that was bid on uh, by multiple people to participate in it and was a really good fundraiser for them. And in worst case scenario, they change the date.
1: Yep, indeed, indeed. All right, boys. Well, uh, once again, uh, always great talking L.A. Kings hockey uh, with you blokes. And uh, we aren't going to be on the air again until, uh, when is that? Uh, Maybe Friday, January 19th. uh, They are playing against the Ducks. Maybe do a a late show. We'll see what we can do uh, on that date. And uh, if not, we'll be there the following week as the Kings have to do another road trip, Vancouver, Calgary, Dallas, and Nashville. Not an easy task, but uh, we are going to be the on the air, hopefully, for every single one of those games. I don't see any conflicts on my end. Uh, Jeff, uh, before we let Augie make his announcements, uh, any final parting words? Yeah, I just want to say, guys, uh... Check out our
2: work and coverage and content at KellySportsNews.com, where our latest article, When Colleagues Collide, the Braden McNabb debate with our very own LA superfan, Augie Loria, in a debate with uh, Jim Ellis, friend of the show, uh, what is... The whole topic is, should the Kings have protected Braden McNabb at the expansion draft because he's played so well with the Vegas Golden Knights, he's even been wearing an A as an alternate captain in certain games, uh, or, or did the Kings do the right thing by not bringing him back? Oggy took one side, Jim took the other. I was the promoter of this main event. Everybody check out the article. It's a lot of fun. Both guys raised some great points, and go check it out. com.
1: Yeah, absolutely, doing some tremendous over there, uh, work over there. Hey, also, too, uh, Jeff, we should also give a shout-out uh, to a uh, friend of the show, Ryan Cowley. He has done some phenomenal work on the Kings prospects. Uh, if you're not following him uh, on Facebook, once again, let him know that he that, that really uh, we don't mention it too often, but his work on some of the prospects that, we, that literally just don't get talked about Really, fan, fantastic work because, you know, there's just not a lot of guys that are going to spend time covering, you know, the Kings' fifth-round draft pick. And so uh, some of yep. the work he has done and the interviews he has, uh, he has gotten, just really good stuff for Kings fans. So uh, tell, tell Ryan we appreciate all his work, all right? Yeah, we will do for sure.
2: That's definitely one advantage we have, uh, Ryan and I, living up here, is we do have access to – Uh, some of the most important Ontario Hockey League teams, and Ryan has been busting his ass off covering um, uh, Jacob Moverari, covering, you know, everyone, Uh, getting interviews, talking to coaches. He's been talking to the coaches. He's been talking to trainers, really getting in there and getting the scoops and watching the progress of some of our teams, right? We all remember. Uh, one of the greatest kings and we could even say maybe the greatest king it's definitely debatable luke robitaille was a very late draft and look at the career that he had right hall of famer highest scoring left winger in hl history so you never know of one of these guys if they are a third fourth fifth round pick it doesn't matter you never really know how many top draft picks bomb, make it in the NHL, and how many people who are late drafts like Luke, like a Patrick Raw, go on and have Hall of Fame careers, you never know. But yeah, I will definitely let Ryan know. He's actually going down there uh, very, very soon. He, I think he's spending three weeks down there in Southern California. Uh, so you know what? He'll, he might be around the Staples Center. He might be around the TSC. So look out for him there. He definitely loves talking King hockey, because he's a diehard just like us.
0: Wow, so Well, you can have awesome to give sense. him you're going to have to give Callie my contact information so I can uh, kind of give him the Augie treatment uh, when he's inside a Stable Center. I
2: will definitely not do that because I want to be the first to get that VIP experience. And I'm sorry, Ryan. Ryan is just going to have to wait for his next trip. Ryan, I love you, buddy. You're, you're my brother from a different mother, and you, you've helped me out, and you do great articles. But get it, I'm getting the audio lawyer VIP LA experience first. Oh, my God. And that's God. the bottom I did,
0: line, <laughs> son. I did not see that swerve <laughs> <dwarf> coming. <laughs> love it,
1: love it. Oh all God, right, Jeff, awesome. dude. Thanks, thanks again, brother. You have a great night, all right? I know it's late there, so go ahead and hit the hay, okay?
2: All right, guys. Have a good night. Thanks for everything, and go Kings, go!
1: Of course, of wow. course. All right, good stuff. there. That was, that good. That, was you know, that, what, yes. Well, what was funny was I was thinking, Jesus, I just live in Orange County. I, I think I want the yogi treatment. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well,
0: you never come <laughs> up to Staples. Apparently, apparently, yeah, we're what, too far away from you, or something. Who
1: can I sign up for that? You know, so all uh, you have to you do, do know, is ask. It, That's it. Yeah, dude, I I would love it. I'll tell you what, when, uh, when my family goes out of the country as they do every year, that'll definitely be the time I'll take you up on that. And, uh, truth be told, now it's, uh, you know, I got both my kids playing hockey again in between, uh, my band, The Hired Gun Trio and working full time, uh, Jesus, it's a luxury i mean i haven't seen i haven't seen one live game yet uh for the kings this season can you believe that i haven't seen one of them
0: jeez i can't believe that and the other thing too is what i cannot believe is you're going to miss another one of my staple center skates i mean there's always there's always time to get into it because it's a week from sunday and you plunk down that hundred bucks you're sitting down the 200 sections and then afterward taking the ice with me and my friends after the kings and rangers played. so yeah See, you should be doing that instead of no, no, being a rock being a rock star and a responsible <laughs> father. The heck is yeah, wrong with you, yeah, Jack.
1: Shame <laughs> on me, shame on me. The the good news here, though, is that uh, much as we uh, envy uh, Jeff and Ryan for going to check out all the uh, you know junior hockey and whatnot, uh, they're very close to completing the mega hockey center in Irvine at the Great Park. And, uh, not only is there going to be four count 'em, four hockey rinks, uh, but that's actually literally where the ducks are going to be training. So I would imagine probably next year as both my kids are playing hockey there, that it's probably going to be, uh, not out of the realm of possibility that I'll be bumping into, uh, Solani and Scott Niedermeyer and, uh, other former duck Illuminati as we do that. So I'll, I'll be trying to get some interviews and some sound clips while I'm over there. Well, that's
0: good. So uh, speaking of the Ducks, they are coming to the Staples Center on Saturday, April 13th, April, January 13th, this coming Saturday. So uh, a couple of things to keep in mind there, folks, uh, for those of you coming to the game, Uh, There is going to be a fan fest outside going on in front of Staples center. So there's a basketball game in the afternoon. So they're going to kick all the basketball folks out after they're done. And then we take over and the things that are going on is this. Now there's some fan stuff going on. One of the fan things going on is bring your Burger King Jersey. There's an unofficial Burger King Jersey appreciation day at Staples. If you have one, Bring it, and what they're going to do is get all the Burger King jersey wearers together before warmups down in uh, one of the corners. Now, with that said, uh, thanks to I will give this credit to Rachel Rebel, uh, who is one of the admins over Nights of the Forum on Facebook, because she posted what the Saturday schedule is going to be. So I'm going to give you a little bit of insight right now. Okay, this is one of the okay. things you get on uh, LA Kings Road Talk Radio: stolen content. From, from other people that are stolen, but I give credit to my feeds. So, Rachel Rebel, thank you very much for this piece of info. Now, uh, yeah, the game is scheduled for a 7.30 puck drop. The 7.30 puck drop is not happening. Uh, at 7.01 to 7.12, they are doing the Bob Miller statue unveiling in Star Plaza. For those of you who don't know where Star Plaza is, it's where Gretzky is. It's where Chick Hearn is. or where Luke Robitaille is. It's where all those beautiful statues are. So, uh you're going to see uh, the statue unveiled there. And, of course, Bob Miller will be there for that. So when they're done with the statue unveiling, uh, they're going to give time for people to get inside and uh, get to their seats because from 734 to 750, there's going to be a banner unveiling and on-eye ceremony inside of Staples. There will be several special guests, including L.A. Kings Legends, that are scheduled to appear. Now, if you read between the lines on that, We're hoping, and I'm really hoping, and my fingers are crossed, that one of those special guests and legends that's scheduled to appear is hopefully the great one himself. I am hoping he is there. I have not been able to get confirmation as to whether or not he will be there. But uh, we'll see. And everything is is scheduled to change, obviously. So. Make sure you're in, you're in your seats at, by 7.30 for the whole banner unveiling and on-ice ceremony honoring the legendary Bob Miller. And also, they're also giving away a Bob Miller bobblehead. So get there, God, Bob it. Miller bobblehead. Exactly. And the pop drop is actually going to happen at uh, about 7.56. So by the time they roll out the carpet, the carpet that Jeff Carter will be doing his on-ice training from, <laughs> uh, that they unroll that up. And get everything going, uh, we'll probably have a puck drop about close to 8 p.m. So that is the unofficial stolen schedule that is supposed to be happening uh, this Saturday. And one other piece of information, in case you haven't heard, Bailey is having a garage sale on Sunday just outside of Staples Center. So outside of Lot 1, there's going to be an LA King Bailey, LA King's garage sale. Now, at this last garage sale, I was able to score a King's duffel bag, an autographed King's anniversary jersey, uh, a, Forsberg, a Peter Forsberg stick, and what else? I, say? I think I got a couple of miscellaneous hats and signed pucks at just dirt cheap prices. So, some of the memorabilia that has been posted up there by Bailey includes uh, Coke Zero. Uh, L.A. King's branded Coke Zero, uh, one of the uh, hats, the warm-up hats that was used in the China exhibition games. Uh, and it's, I think it's player worn uh, that's going to be on display there. There's a signed picture of the Triple Crown line uh, that's going to be available on the garage sale. So all the proceeds go to L.A. King's Care Foundation, and there will be free parking. So the free parking is in Lot C. And the sale will be held just out in lot one. So that'll be just outside of the, uh, Georgia street, uh, Georgia street in Chick side. Uh, and it's set to go from one o'clock. Uh, yeah. 1 PM to 3 PM. Uh, be there early. That's all I
1: can say. Perfect. Perfect. And you know what? I like, uh, I like where you're going, Augie. I'd say that uh, given the Bob Miller appreciation night, yes, I would absolutely say the chances of the great one being there are probably fairly high. So uh, good call there on your part. And, uh, Augie, we're uh, we're out of time. We've met our contractual obligation in there some. So always enjoy talking to you. You have your finger on the pulse of everything going on there amongst the Kings as our uh, – inside uh, the Elway Beltway Insider. And I always appreciate chatting with you, man. Well,
0: likewise. Hey, by the way, uh, real quick, the Edmonton Oilers are playing the Las Vegas Golden Knights on Saturday night, January 13th. So you never know if Gretzky's down there, takes a little flight because he does his thing with Bob and flies back over to Vegas to watch the Oilers beat the Knights. Uh, hey, we just, just got a, that a report.
1: There. Yeah, not a problem. Side note here: got a report that uh, Daryl Sutter is actually spotted at uh, tonight's Ontario Ring game. So there you go, little uh, former <laughs> coach Sutter probably watching his uh, his son play there. So there you go.
0: All right, everybody. Yeah, well, he could be so Stothers replacement. Sure.
1: <laughs> there you <laughs> go. Stothers <laughs>
0: replacement. <laughs>
1: All right, buddy. So you have a great night, man. All right, right, you too.
0: Take care, Hip.
1: All right, bye, Hip. It. All right, this is Scott Cahill, a.k.a. A, 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 the Hip Check. Until next time, until we meet again, uh, uh, L.A. Kings Road Talk Radio. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed it, and we'll be back uh, as the Kings get cracking again and a slew of games here as the Kings embark on another long road trip. We'll be here each and every night to break it all down as only we can do. All right, good night, everybody. Thank you so much. Wrong. I'm in love with Hey, hey, come on, what I say. Come what I say. When you see me in misery, come on, baby, find me all right. Hey, come hey, what I say. Come what I say. Fantastic! Thank you. You're a beautiful audience, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you.
2: Step into the world of power, loyalty